Let everything that hath breath. Are you breathing this morning? Well, praise him. Hallelujah. Well, I just wanted to, some of you might have got confused and said, are we having another international service? Because I was wearing an African shirt. But because my grandson wasn't able to come uh, for the international service, and in Africa, they made him a tailor-made one to match mine. So I wanted to show him. Come to Baba. What do you got there? How's he look? Say hi to everyone. Well, at least he's not shy. And uh, yes, of course. Yeah, well, it's in my mic. <laughs> okay. All right. I think, I think they've already taken them. All right. Give it up for Ezra. All right. Three of us. Go ahead. All right. All right. We got to preach the word. Come on. Amen. Would you open up in your Bibles this morning to 2 Timothy chapter 3? We finished... The series on the Psalms. What a wonderful series going through in the Psalms or my summer playlist that we went through and looked at. Uh, just the wonderful, wonderful prayers that were put to music in what we know as the book of Psalms. This morning, I want to start a new series called Back to the Basics. Back to the Basics. And what we're going to do is we're going to go through what we believe as followers of Jesus. But not only what we believe, but why we believe it. I think it's important to make that distinction because sometimes people, Christians, can tell what they believe, but they don't necessarily know why they believe it. And what I mean by that is they don't know how it applies to practical, everyday life. The gospel makes a difference in every area of our life. It isn't just for Sunday morning. It isn't just for when we're around Christians. It's something that impacts every part of our life. Now, we are heading into football season. I think it officially starts this Thursday. Next Sunday is the first uh, Sunday for football. How many Patriot fans do we have? A lot. I think we had more when Tom Brady was playing. You, you, you fair-weathered fans. But back in um, 1961, Vince Lombardi, which the trophy in, in, in the world in some respects was named after, Vince Lombardi... Uh, was coaching the Green Bay Packers. And in 1960, his team had a lead in the championship, and they lost. They, the other team, the Philadelphia Eagles, came back and won the game. And they really shouldn't have won the game. Green Bay really just, just blew a big lead. And so they carried that with them throughout uh, the offseason. And when they came back in the summer of 1961, Vince Lombardi, who was considered arguably one of the greatest coaches that ever lived, 
And so when they came back uh, for spring training, and uh, they, they began to, to prepare for the upcoming season in July of 1961, Vince Lombardi stood in front of uh, 40-something of his uh, players, and these were football players that had played football all their life. They had played uh, in, in, as youngsters in high school and college. They knew everything there was basically about football. They knew uh, they, they pretty much ate, slept, and drank football. That was their life. They were professionals. They were football players, and, and, and that was their whole world revolved around that. The first practice, Vince Lombardi stood up in front of these well-trained, well-skilled football players, and he stood in front of them, and he said, men, this is a football. This is a football. And what he was saying and what he did for the rest of that training session and for the whole uh, pr practice and training up until the beginning of the season, was what he did was he brought them back to basics. He brought them back to fundamentals. And sometimes for us as Christians, we need to get back to the basics. The basics are critical. The basics are foundational. So what Vince Lombardi, this coach of this football team, did was he drilled his players on the basics. The very simple, tackling, running, catching, and he went over the basics. And to one point, he was going, after a few weeks, one of his star players raised his hand with a little sarcastic tone and said, Coach, can you slow it down? You're going too fast. And he was being sarcastic because the coach was just going pace by pace, block by block, giving them the basics. So this morning, I want to get us back to the basics. This is a Bible. Hello? This is a Bible. Very basic. But how critical it is. And what I want to speak to you about this morning about the Bible is authority. Authority. What is your authority in life? In other words, what do you look to for your direction, for your guidance? What and who has the final say in your life? This is so, so critical. So we want to get back to the basics. Now, I want to give you um, a fundamental truth or the wording that has been crafted um, to what we believe about the Bible. Now, this coincides with my emerging leaders class. We have over 25 people signed up, paid, invested to learn, to come out an extra night. That's awesome. I'm excited about that because I know it is a tremendous discipleship opportunity because people are going to be studying on their own. They're going to be reading. They're going to be coming prepared. And there's going to be an incredible learning dynamic in that atmosphere. Amen. I'm glad you're excited too. Could you give the Lord a hand clap? So it's going to coincide with that. And also my life group, those of you that are in that um, emerging leaders class, I'd like you to attend the life group because there is so much 
to unpack in each one of these doctrines. Literally, every doctrine that we're going to go over, there are volumes. There are volumes of theology books written on each one. Don't, I, I don't want to see your eyes gloss over right now. I'm not going to get that deep this morning, but we're going to go over some things to help us. But here, here's what I want you to hear. This is the fundamental truth. This is what we believe about the Bible. I want you to hear it. I'm going to say it nice and loud. The scriptures, both Old and New Testament, are verbally inspired of God and are the revelation of God to man, the infallible, authoritative rule of faith and conduct. Let me say that again. The scriptures, that book, that Bible that you hold in your hand, both the Old and the New Testaments, are verbally inspired of God and are the revelation of God to man. It's infallible, it's authoritative, and it's a rule of faith and conduct. Amen. Amen. So we want to look at this morning the question of authority. What is authority? Very simple. I asked Professor Google. Authority is the power or right to give orders, make decisions, and enforce obedience. Authority. The word of God is authoritative. It has the right because it is God Almighty. It is God speaking to man and God declaring authoritatively what is the rule of practice or the faith and conduct of mankind. So it's critical this morning. What is your authority? What is my authority? What is authoritative in my life? As Bible-believing Christians, as followers of Jesus, we believe that the Bible is authoritative. It's our authority. Why is this important? Because it speaks of this life and the one to come. It speaks of eternal truths. It speaks of truths that make an eternal difference. It makes a difference in this life, and it surely makes a difference in the life that is to come. That is eternal life. You see... What we believe about the Bible is so critical because everything, say it with me, everything, everything in life hinges on what we believe about the Bible. Brothers and sisters, this is a Bible. Hello? We're going to get back to basics this morning. So it's important. What does this world... What do some people hold to or look to as their authority? That's a question we have to ask. For some people, it's popular culture. What do I mean by that is what the present modern day culture states to be right or their authority. Because whether you realize it or not, every single person here has an authority that, that, that speaks to their life. It might not be a person, it might not be a, a law, it, it might be something internal, but it's to them, it's the final authority in their life. This is how I'm going to live, this is what I'm going to do, because this is what I'm basing it on. And what is this? It could be popular culture. You see, subtly, our world... And our culture is saying, this is the way you should live. It's, it's um, declared or, or seen in our TV programs, in our music, 
in, in so much that we hear and see in, in our culture. And, and basically, if I would have to, if I would, to sum it up in one phrase, it would simply mean or it simply would be whatever feels good to you, do it. Whatever feels good, do it. And many times it's based upon people's emotions. And how many of you know emotions are very unreliable? So many things, simple things could affect your emotions. You could be up one day, down the next day. You could be excited about something one day, not so excited. You cannot go by your emotions. And sometimes we, we, we find in our culture that people's authority is what they feel is right. Now, sometimes we've heard this in our world, and we're hearing it more lately. Some people, when they come out and they express how they want to live, it could be sexually, it could be morally, it could be in many different ways. And you know what they say, or you know what they're applauded as? People applaud them and say, you're living your truth. Good for you. Living your truth. If you have a truth, and you have a truth, and you have a truth, and you have a truth, we all have our own truth. What is the standard anymore? There cannot be a standard if everybody has their own truth. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father but by me, by, but through me. Jesus is the truth. The only truth we live is the one as it's represented and taught in the Bible. And God's ways are true. God's ways are holy. God's ways are pure. God's ways are right. When you live according to this book, you're fulfilled. When you live according to this book, you, you, you've experienced freedom. You experience deliverance. It doesn't happen in a day. It doesn't happen with one prayer. It doesn't happen with one experience with God. It's a lifelong process. He whom the sun sets free is free indeed. It's a, it's a walking in freedom. If any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is passing away. It's a process. I've been walking with the Lord over 40 years, and I'm still learning things. I'm still learning things about God. I'm still learning things about myself. I'm still learning how to live out the faith, how to live out the truth. So don't be discouraged this morning. But you have to silence some of those voices. You have to turn off some of those channels. You have to block out some of those, those philosophies of the world because popular culture cannot dictate or make, uh, give authority over your life and how you should live. When Jesus was about to be crucified, he was brought before Pilate, the, the governing authority of that day, and Pilate was questioning him. Pilate was, was, was in some ways being antagonistic, and Jesus said to him, listen, for this reason was I born, that I might be a witness to the truth. Amen. And Pilate, I believe, with, with a little cynicism and a little sarcasm, uh, sarcastic attitude, he turned from Jesus and said, what is truth? And I believe that's a picture, I believe that's an image of a lot of our culture today. They really don't know what, want to know what truth is because they want to live their own truth. Let me, let me ask you this question. How's that going to work out? We live in our own truth? Living what we think is right, it ain't going to work out too good because we're sinful. We have a sinful nature, and our propensity is to go in the wrong direction. 
popular culture, sometimes family tradition and ethnic, ethnicity, where how we were brought up would want to exert authority. We were all growing up differently, but was it, isn't it funny, the way we were brought up, we thought our way was the right way? Now, I was brought up in an Italian home, in an Italian culture. And I thought if you weren't Italian, you weren't on the in club. <laughs> you know, if I had a friend and my parent, is he Italian? Oh, yeah, he's Italian. Oh, he's good. He's in. <laughs> if he wasn't Italian, I don't know if I could really be close to him. Now, see, I'm just being honest. You have your own prejudices, so don't look at me like that. But in our culture, for Christmas Eve, we had what was called the seven feasts, the seven fish feast. In our, in our culture, Christmas Eve, we had all seafood. I mean, it was an amazing feast. I'm going to make some of you hungry right now. I mean, we had squid, we had bacala, we had stuffed shrimp, we had, we had scallops, we had, we had all these kinds of fish. It was, it was a feast. And I mean, I said, how would anybody want to live like, not be Italian on Christmas Eve? <laughs> now, my wife, she came from Bangor, Maine. <laughs> Bangor, Maine, that, that's 300 miles north, and that's in, in the Hicks, in the, the Boonville, whatever. <laughs> but you know what her culture was? Now, honey, I'll... I'll ask for forgiveness now, and we'll, we'll make up later. But her culture was, they had subs. They had, like, like they bought some buns and put some meat, like salami and cheese and bologna. I mean, that's okay, but not on Christmas Eve. I was like, how can you poor thing? Did you have to get counseling when you grow older? But that was her culture. But a lot of times that's just, you know, that's a little humorous, that's a little funny, but, but the reality of it is sometimes we grow up with traditions that, that just begin to affect our lives, our family, our community, and, and we believe some cultural things as truth. Well, that's the way I was brought up. But maybe you weren't brought up in the right way. Maybe you weren't brought up according to the scriptures. Now, I want to read something to you because, because Jesus dealt with this. Again, the word of God is relevant. We're talking about authority. So look at, in Matthew chapter 15, Jesus said this, why do you also transgress the commandment of God because of your tradition? Imagine, he was dealing with religious people. He was dealing with people who, who thought they knew God or thought they knew better. And he says, you know what? He says, for God commanded you, say, honor your father and mother. But, but, but you said, whoever says to his father or mother, whatever profit you might have received from me has been dedicated to the temple. In other words, they were exonerating someone from obeying and respecting their parents by doing something else that, that looked good. We're talking about traditions that, 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 that God's word has to be greater than our traditions. Our traditions could be good, but anytime they contradict the word of God, tradition must bow to revelation. 
Tradition must bow to what God has said in his word. What I, what I mean by that is that everything, that every tradition, every cultural thing, everything that we were brought up to believe was good and right, it, it might, if, it's, if it's not immoral, if it doesn't cause us to sin, it's okay. But when it begins to push against the word of God, we need to humble ourselves and agree with what the word of God says. Can you say amen? So as authority for authority in our lives, we have popular culture, we have uh, family or ethnic uh, traditions, or ethnic culture, but there's also a church in a, in a religious culture. Some churches and denominations develop certain standards that sometimes they put on par with or maybe they put over the word of God. I don't know if I have time to break this all down, but let me just, let me give you a couple. Uh, some churches believe it's a sin to wear jewelry or for women to wear pants or to wear makeup. I don't see that in the Bible. That's a cultural thing. Do I believe women should dress modestly? Yes and amen. But that's another sermon. But just, there's a word called modesty in the Bible. But, but. Wear makeup or wearing pants or any jewelry is not in the Bible. But it's a cultural thing. And some people can go to that church and they can feel under condemnation because the culture is superseding the revelation of God's word or is trying to uh, uh, vie for authority. What other ways? Some churches believe that only the King James Bible is the true Bible. They say, if, P, if, if the King James was good enough for Paul, it's good enough for me. King James Bible didn't come around until the 1600s. Paul didn't have the King James Bible. Hello? But if anybody uses anything else, they're heretics or they're wrong. And they, how, how about this one? It's a sin to sell anything in church. Oh, I'm going to take a drink of water for that one. Let you digest that. Well, you can't sell a book in the Bible. You can't sell any books in the foyer. You can't sell any T-shirts or anything like that. Oh, that's, you know, Jesus drove out the money changers in the temple. He said, you made my house a den of iniquity. Understand the context. Hello? Read the whole Bible. You know what was happening then? The, the, the religious people were selling offering. They were selling sheeps to be offered. And they were charging exorbitant amounts because the people had to buy from them. They couldn't maybe take the sheep from their village, carry it all the way to the temple. So they were being charged. They were, they were inflating the prices. They were cheating the people. They were taking advantage. It was for self-profit, and, and it was robbing the people. That's the context. Hello? It's a worse sin to cause division over some of these issues. Turn to the person next to you say, it's only going to get better from here. But I, what I want you to understand something this morning, all, and I can give you many more. You, you would not believe some of the things I've heard from people that come from other churches. And let me just say, if you've come from other churches, please, you have to adapt to, the, to, to what this church is. Don't, don't, don't expect me to be like your pastor. Hello, I'd be schizophrenic with all the different churches and all the different people here if I had to be like your pastor. And, and it's wonderful. We have people come from other churches. What I say is if you leave a church, leave the church the right way. If you come in the front door, don't leave the back door. 
Go out the front door. Get the blessing of the pastor. But when you come in, if you have unhealed issues, if you have dysfunction from your previous church, you're only bringing it here. And it's going to manifest. For a while, everyone's going to love you, and you're going to love everyone for three weeks. Until they get to know you, and you get to know them. Hello? That's a, a, another sermon for another time. But, but what I'm trying to say is popular culture, uh, ethnic or family culture, church or religious cultures are not the authority. They're all changing. They're all built on shifting sand. And they're all subjective. This is objective. This is the word of God. What I want to do is quickly, quickly, please. This, my introduction is longer than my sermon, so don't get nervous. Turn with me to first. Uh, second, second Timothy. I want to just read. I want to read this whole chapter because I love the Word of God and I believe the Word of God is more powerful than the words of man. Anything I can say, there's nothing in com- is nothing in comparison to the Word speaking for itself. Amen. Second Timothy chapter three. I'm going to read one to seventeen. But know this: that in the last days, perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Now what's scary about this is, that's in the church. (laughs) Paul's, how do I know he's talking about condition in churches? Because he said they have a form of godliness. So if the world is getting bad, we've got to realize that we've got to, we've got to, we've got to take an inventory in our own lives. And from such people turn away. For this sort are those who creep into households, making captives of gullible women, loading down with, laden down with sins, led away by various lusts. Always learning, never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now as Janus and Jambres resisted Moses, so do these resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds disapprove concerning the faith. But they will progress no further, for their folly would be manifest to all as theirs also was. But you have follow, uh, carefully followed my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance, persecution, afflictions, which happened to me at Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra. What persecutions I endured, and out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. But evil men and impostors will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, Continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures. What are we talking about this morning? Getting back to the basics, and we're, gonna look, we're looking at the Word of God as the infallible, authoritative rule of life and practice. And so Paul is saying, but you have learned from the, whole, from the Scriptures, um, from childhood, you have known the Holy Scriptures, Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Listen to these two verses. These are powerful. All Scripture, say it with me. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. 
Three, three things I want to just make reference to and just quickly tie this together. Number one, we see stressful times. Look at what Paul mentions. He says, but know this, but know this. Know what? That in the last days, perilous times will come. Perilous times. My Bible uh, says perilous times, and it has a footnote, times of stress. How true is that today? I don't know about you, but in my lifetime and my walking with God, I have never experienced such stressful times. I believe it's a sign of the times. Stressful times. That stress comes in every shape and every size. But, but he's, Paul, Paul gives a glimpse into the depravity of man, the condition of man's heart. Man's heart needs the grace of God because any one of us could be guilty of any one of these things on any given day. Maybe even more than one on a given day. Don't look at me so guilty this morning. I'm your friend. I'm just telling you the truth to help you. But stressful times. Now, listen, I try to be a positive person. I believe in positivity. I believe in, in looking at the glass half full or half empty? Half full. But you could also, in a positive way, it's only half empty. So which is it? It don't matter. Let's, let's move on from that illustration. I try to be a positive person and see the glass half full. But, but, and I believe Paul the Apostle was a positive person. But you know what? We, we need to have a positive attitude, but listen, we should be idealistic in life, but here we have a, a big dose of realism. What, what, he, what Paul is telling Timothy, he's trying to let him know, um, Timothy is Paul's son in the faith, and he's trying to, to, to prepare him for what's coming, and he says, listen, you have to know that things are not going to get necessarily better at times. So, so he wants them to stay realistic. So I believe as Christians, we need to be positive. We need to be idealistic, but we also need to be realistic. Are, are you following me this morning? I'm almost done. You see, Paul didn't doubt that God was going to move powerfully. Paul didn't doubt that there would be miracles and, and God would do some, some great things. But you know what? But he declares in no uncertain terms, he said, difficult times will come. That word in the original language means harsh, hard to bear, vicious, dangerous, menacing. Matter of fact, that Greek word is only used one other time in the New Testament. And it's used for the demoniac to describe his condition. So if you study Greek words and you relate them to other passages, you get the, the understanding of the meaning. It's only used one other time. So, so that word really carries with it the sense of, of fierceness, of, of menacing, of, of difficult times. How many of you just know that's true by life experience? Hello? We're living in stressful times. Paul didn't want to frighten or discourage Timothy. He only wanted him to give him a correct orientation to life. You see, there's so much to be said, and I don't have the time, so I'm not going to expound 
on the, this description that characterizes lives that really, you know what the problem is? They don't hold the word of God as the final authority. All these characteristics are self-focused, right? Lovers of money, boasters, proud, disobedient to parents, unthankful. What is unthankfulness? It's a sense of entitlement, like, you know what? I don't have to thank anything. I got all this coming to me. All these things, I got them coming to me. But it, all of this is just, is just a picture into the heart of a man or a woman that needs the grace of God, needs repentance, needs humility, needs the Jesus of the Bible. Lovers of self, who would have thought in the 21st century we would ha all have pages dedicated to ourself? It's called Facebook if you don't know where I'm going with that one. It's called social media. We all should put on the top of our social media the song, How Great I Am, How Great Thou Art. Because what is it? Social media is the highlights, the highlight reel of all of our lives, of all of the great things. But that speaks of the depravity of the heart of man. Without the grace of God, we are capable of some ug pretty ugly things. Isn't that true? And it's not just in the world. You don't know crazy until you know church crazy. Oh, come on now. Brother Hero used to say, Brother Hero, oh, very, very precious lady. Oh, very spiritual. Just don't cross her. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that true? Some people can be very spiritual in the church, very holy, but don't mess with them. All right, let me move on. Let me move on. Going too deep. Going too deep. What am I saying this morning? Human nature, we need God's grace. We need God's grace. We need to repent. We need to bow to the revelation of God. What God says about humanity. God says about humanity, without the cross, we are lost. Without the blood, we, we, we took, partook of communion. Without the blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. Without making Jesus Christ Lord of your life, hope for salvation. There is no living under the authority of this word. We need the grace of God because mankind, apart from God's grace, is depraved. My, my grandson, Ezra, a year and a half, I love him dearly. He loves me more than he loves anybody, his own mother and his wife. I mean, his, my wife. I'm going to have to apologize to both my daughter and my wife. <laughs> no. But, but I love him so much. But you know what? You see in that little life the sinful nature. We're all born. The Bible says we're all born sinners. There's none righteous, no, not one. We're all sinners. We're born with a sinful nature. That's why we need to be born again. We, we don't just need religion. We don't need to just come to church, go to a life group. All those things are good. But unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Unless you repent of your sins and put your faith in the God of the Bible and love the Lord Jesus, you cannot be changed. Only the grace of God. Every single, as, as precious as his little life is, he needs Jesus. And my, my, my wife and I and his mother to do our best to teach them the ways of God. But you know what? When he's cranky, you know what we do? You know what calms my grandson down? Is to show him videos of himself. <laughs> and when one video is off, he pit, uh, uh. 
He wants to see it again. And I've gone through my phone. This is, this is no exaggeration. I'm just trying to show you. I mean, this is my precious little grandchild who just, like every human being, has a sinful nature. I'm showing, going back in my phone to all of the videos of him, to when he's a baby. How does he know that's him? Now listen, I showed him my granddaughter when she was a baby, and I said, he's not going to know the difference. <laughs> he didn't want to see that one. He wanted to see him. Imagine, I couldn't believe it. I said, surely he doesn't know. I took him back to when he was three days old and he knew it was him, but he knew that wasn't him and he didn't want to see her. He wanted to see him. <laughs> now, isn't that true about us? When you see a picture on Facebook and you're in it, what do you do? You blow up that picture to see you. You're not looking how your friend looks. It's their wedding, but you're looking to see how you look. It's their party, but you want to see you. Isn't that true? Lovers of self. So there are stressful times. There are, God help us. Let's move on quickly. Stressful, stressful times, number one, right? Stressful times. Number two, solid examples. Look what Paul says in verse 10. But you, but you, this is, you're different. You're different, Timothy. You have carefully followed my example. Here's what Paul is saying. Listen, you, you've known my doctrine. What are we talking about this morning? We're beginning a series on doctrine. What is doctrine? It's basic fundamental teachings of Scripture. The Bible says of the early believers, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, the apostles' teaching. So what is Paul saying? As, as crazy as the world is, there are still people who are truly living out their faith. There are still godly leaders. There are still godly pastors, godly elders, godly members, godly workers. There are still people that are authentic in their faith. And I believe this church has that. Amen. Hello? I'm not just talking about me. I'm talking about you. I'm talking about us authenticity. We're not talking about perfection. We're talking about authentic, the real deal. And that's what's important because there are a lot of places where there's inauthenticity. There's not the authentic. There's not the real. But Paul is saying, listen, if you want to, Timothy, the times are going to be stressful, but you know what? There's a solid example. Paul wasn't boasting. Paul was just saying, listen, you followed my life. You know, it's good to listen to preachers on TV. It's good to have your favorite preacher, but you know your favorite pastor should be from victory. I'm going to let that settle for a minute. You know why I say that? Because T.D. Jakes is great. Steve Furtick is great. This one is great. That one is great. But do you actually rub shoulders with them? Did, did you shake their hand? Do you, do you see them? And, and I'm not, there's nothing wrong. I'm not in any way uh, being critical or negative. All I'm saying, it's good that you can listen to good preachers, you know, just as long as they're your second favorite preacher. <laughs> but you know what? Paul was saying, no, no, we, we've rubbed shoulders. You've seen my life. And again, we're not talking about perfection. I don't stand up here and say I'm the perfect pastor. I, I'm just saying you, you're, I'm the closest you're going to get. Thank you for that one amen, sister. 
I'll pay you what I promised you. But no, what was he saying? He was saying, listen, others are living like that. The hypocrisy, the, the, the flesh, the, the ways of the world. He says, but, but you know what? You're different and, and, and you, have, you have an example. You can be different, Paul was saying, because you are different. Paul wanted to remind Timothy of what not only he had heard, but what he had seen. The teachings the conduct, the purpose, and the faith. And let's move on. My last thought, and I close with this scriptural training. Verses 14 to 17. He says to him, listen, you continue in the things which you have learned, been assured of, known, knowing from whom you have learned them, that from childhood you have known the holy scriptures. The holy scriptures. What we hold in our hands, these are holy. These are precious. There's nothing like the word of God. Paul was saying, listen, difficulty is going to intensify as, even as the gospel grows. You know, as the kingdom moves forward, the devil is going to attack. But it doesn't mean that we should succumb to the culture. We should hold to the authority of the word of God. Paul would go on to say, listen, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. And that's why we hold this book dear to us this morning. Because this is the revelation of God to man. It is infallible, it is authoritative, and it is the rule of faith and practice for our lives. Culture must bow to this. The ways of the world must bow to this. Politics must bow to this. You and I must bow to the word of God this morning. Would you stand together with me? Paul says you're convinced. Are you convinced that the book that you have in your hands is the word of God? Amen. Are you convinced that you know that you know that you know that the scriptures are the word of almighty God? The purpose of the scriptures, Paul said they're for teaching. This book gives you tools for life. The purpose of the scripture is to reprove. That means it reveals sin and foolishness in our lives it makes us aware of it, but it doesn't just put us there. I'm so glad that the word of God doesn't just bring conviction and reproof, but it brings correction. What I mean by that, it tells you, no, this is the wrong way, but it doesn't just tell you that. It now shows you this is the right way. And the Bible also is for training. It's the correct way to live so we don't make as many mistakes. I remember someone telling me when I was trying to help them make some decisions, and I wasn't trying to dictate to them. I was just trying to guide them and say, you know, you probably shouldn't. They said, but listen, I want to I learn for myself. I want to make the mistakes myself. I said, well, go ahead. I'm just trying to help you not to make them. And the word of God is to help us not to make as many mistakes. Amen. Would you hold up your Bible this morning? Would you hold up your Bible? And I want you to repeat this. No, I'm not going to say this is my Bible. <laughs> I am what I, it says I am. No, I'm not going to say that. But I want you to repeat this after me. We believe, we believe the, scriptures, the scriptures, both Old and New Testament, Old and New Testament are, verbally are verbally inspired of God and are the revelation of God, revelation of God to, man, to man, the infallible, the infallible authoritative, authoritative rule of faith and conduct. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you this morning for us to just get back to the basics, God. Lord, I pray that
inspired to begin to read the Bible prayerfully, regularly, humbly, and consistently. Father, I pray that you would give us that hunger that I spoke about last week, that Job had. He said, I desire your word more than my necessary food. God, I pray, create a hunger and a thirst in the hearts of your people. And God, give us the faith, quicken our faith as we read the word. Our faith will grow as we read it, but let us read it in faith, God. And Lord, I just pray you would bless it to our hearts from this day forward. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen and amen. God bless you. Take a moment to greet someone. The Lord be with you. Amen.